Welcome to TPG Talk. You want an intro? I was just going to kind of let it roll in, you know what I mean? Just bit about that casual podcast stuff but um classic podcast style just let it happen just start like halfway through a sentence or something that seems to be what people do these days so we have to think Um, of something completely unrelated to talk about and then we'll cut it from there yeah basically yeah Yeah. no that's cool that's cool um i mean we haven't really like i think we've like we met once like uh at black flag but we haven't i think outside of that we haven't really spoken much so it's nice to thanks for coming on thanks for joining us no that's Uh, all right um, yeah, but I think, like Joel said, like, we're just keen to, I mean, he's told me a lot about, like, well, not a lot, but some of the conversations you guys have had to surround strength. And I think, obviously, you're, you're, you're pretty accomplished in the area of strength training. Um, trying to be. I'd say you are. I mean, on, on our level, you definitely are. Oh, and I've heard you are. And I think, uh, you know, I think I respect when people, like, people come across like this is that they don't buy into just, like, what others are doing necessarily. Like, uh, from, from again, from what I've heard, you, you know, you, you don't just like buy into like what people do for the sake of doing it, but like ask the questions like, well, why, you know, one, 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 one that Joel always brings up. Um, I guess this is the start of the podcast now, by the way. So we'll just, <laughs> we're rolling now. Just keep we're going. Just going in. Yeah. One thing that Joel always brings up is, you know, how you're like, I wouldn't get clients to deadlift unless they want to powerlift. Like it just doesn't. Yeah, 100%. So I don't know, I guess like we'll, we'll dive in, but like maybe just tell us a bit about you, like your, your background i mean obviously yeah you're a pretty accomplished powerlifter i don't know if you're still doing a lot of powerlifting but i don't know maybe just tell us a bit about how you got to like be where you are in, in strength and you know and as a coach and as an athlete and and kind of what led you to this point and then i know we'll just go from there well yeah um like firstly just with strength i've always just found like the gym fascinating and it started at home like my my dad would have like a little total gym set up in the garage and i always want to do like lap pull downs and stuff like that and for me, like the gym was just always like a cool place. Like people always wanted to do certain things, but I just wanted to like go to the gym. I just thought that was like the coolest thing you could ever do um, and like spend your time doing. And then um, I was always like a competitive athlete as well. Like I've gone to state level for like swimming, athletics, um, AFL, soccer, like uh, like primary school and high school. I was not at school a lot because I was always like representing some team or myself here or there. Um, and it, it just kind of like, it was always a competitive nature, like very, very competitive. Um, the team sports were always like a little bit harder. So I think that's what like helped me gravitate towards powerlifting and towards like more strength training or at least individual sports like athletics as well, because it's kind of like, I am the only obstacle that's going to prevent me from getting to where I want to be. So, um, yeah, with the, with the javelin and stuff like that, obviously when I was in high school throwing, you, you develop some imbalances using one arm for majority of movements and, it came to the point where I actually needed to do weight training. And I was like, yes, this is what I've been waiting for. Um, I joined a gym and then I was just doing like pretty much just what I saw like original influencers doing, like just people like, you know, your gym shark people and stuff like that. There was just like five by five. And then you do like four by 12 of everything else. And it was just like, whatever I could kind of put together. Um, I wouldn't change too much. Like once I wrote a program in my notes on my phone, it was just kind of like, I stuck with it for like a long time, which I, I guess was a good thing and a bad thing. Um, but yeah, it was always squat on leg day, um, deadlift on uh, back day and then bench on upper body days and stuff like that. So it was always like squat bench deadlift. Then a few people had just told me, I can't remember who was the exact person that was like powerlifting was a thing. Um, but I really just got into powerlifting um, from Googling a, a gym in my local area 
Um, they honestly didn't believe the capabilities of my lifts at the time. I think I was, I would have been 16. So it was 2015 that I uh, joined this gym and it, they were in such disbelief. They're like, come back tomorrow, like train for us and we'll see. And so I think I dropped like a 115 squat, a 75 kilo bench and a 130-ish deadlift. And I was 16. And they were like, all right, you've just got to like, I left that gym and they were like, you've signed up to the next comp. You've got all your belt, your shoes, your knee sleeves on the way. Like the credit card was just maxed out that day. Um, and then, yeah, from there, like from 26, no, 2015 to 2017, I competed about three to four comps a year. They were ranging from local to national to international. Um, towards the end, it was international twice a year, which was really like hard to keep up with. Um, and luckily, like I'd won a few things along the way because it is expensive for powerlifters to pay their own way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just by the end of it, I'd kind of hit a roadblock in terms of just uh, stuff outside the gym. There was a few things happening, like a friend got really sick um, and I, I kind of wanted to be there for her. And then I'd finished school and I was like, I don't know what I want to do because obviously I wasn't at school that much because I was competing. Um, and then also just like so injured, like I was, I was getting like crippling sort of back pain um, to the point where one physio told me that I should just consider taking like um, a Xanax or like something like that to help me sleep or like a mild dose of it. And I was, I, I never went back to that physio. That was a day that I walked out of that physio. Um, and I just thought like, okay, something needs to change. And so it was kind of this like weird momentum shift where I was like, I want to know what happened to me and why, like, I want to know, like, how did it get from like the best in the world to not able to sleep at night because of the back pain. And then I started to just like, I, I did my certs because I was like, okay, well, I want to kind of like lead into this coaching direction. But the first thing I wanted to learn was like, what happened to me? I was like, how did this happen to me? And how would I have changed that? And then I think within that, some sort of like legacy developed where I wanted to kind of like live, learn and pass on through experience. And then that was the obvious sort of relation to coaching in that sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just more or less like the, the switch was I got too broken and I wanted to focus on other things in my life. And then Within that, I ended up coming back and finding a love for training again through my clients. So I'm, I'm back into training and stuff like that now. But I, I've been copying some bad injuries in terms of just dumb things. Like I, I sprained my wrist the other week, just trying to lift a safety bar up, like just things like that, that just take you out for like a month or so. Mm. Um, but I do have the intention of getting back into it now. I think that the passion is definitely still there and clients help me kind of see that again, because I, I do think that to an extent, what I went through helps me be a better coach, but I also think that to keep relating to current events and to current climate of things, you have to have one foot in the door as well. So yeah. that's the goal right now is trying to like get back into it. But yeah, that's a little bit of a, a brief rundown of everything. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, that was great. Thank you very much. No, I just, I think that like what you said was, I think that seems to be what I've like chatting with everyone is like people just get injured and then they're like, hmm. Why did I get injured? Like telling the other coaches, it kind of seems to be like this thing. Like when you go into a coach, like you get injured and you're like, damn, that really sucks. And you want to know why. And it's got that inquisitive mind. And yeah. then, you know, people just like dive into it and they like, and then from that, it's kind of like a good thing in a way, like getting injured. I don't know. It's like, sounds silly, but it seems to be like always people get injured. And then from there, like you grow and then you go into this, you know you either get better and stronger or you you know become an amazing coach like yourself and yeah it's like injuries are huge teachers yeah 100 percent. like and at any point um even with the stuff happening to me recently like um like the the sprain wrist or something like that or like i broke my toe earlier this year dropped a weight on it um like even just little setbacks like that when clients start to have those it helps me relate to them on a different sort of level 
So mm-hmm. rather than me guessing how they feel, there's kind of that little bit of like, okay, like I know some of the frustration you have, obviously, you know, it's not the same pain, it's not the same goals, but you can put yourself in their shoes for a second and help relate to the cause. Um, and I can confidently say, like, I used to be very frustrated with the process of injuries and injury management, but it's made me, well, one, it helped me become a coach in the first place. Um, it made me like just open my eyes and be like, wait, I'm actually like kind of enjoying this process. I like helping people. But two, it also, it makes the quality of coaching a lot better as well because you, you can just understand what's, uh, what people are going through. Um, and I think that's super important with coaching. I know there's always that like age old debate, like you don't have to be a, a lifter to be a coach or, and it, to some extent it's true, but I also just think like, you have to at least understand the process of it. And you have to at least put yourself into like, okay, I go to work and then I train or do I train before work? And you just, you understand the schedule in that sense so that when it goes to writing a program, it's not just like this mythical thing that you've put together. It's like, okay, I understand the logistics of this program. People yeah. have work to go to, people have kids to look after, people have injuries to manage. So as long as that makes sense to them, that's always going to be a lot better. Yeah, I think um, 100% agree. It's something that, you know, I do hear the conversation and people say, you know, latest one I've been hearing is, you know, people think you have to be, you know, massive and jacked to be able to be qualified as a coach. You know, people will buy into authority bias kind of thing. I definitely agree to the point that I think it's really hard to lead or coach someone where you haven't been before, but I don't think that disqualifies you from, from coaching people beyond your, maybe your level, if that makes sense, or, or from helping people still. But I agree with you. I think it is good to have some experience. So I, I'm interested to know, like, what, what did you kind of discover then when you took that hiatus after you were injured and you, you know, you wanted to figure out what, what actually, what happened? Uh, what did you, what did you discover like for yourself there? So the first thing, like I could definitely diagnose what was wrong. So the initial injuries that I had were hip impingement and capsulitis on the left side. I had a fat pad impingement on the right knee and the patella there. And then I also had, I never got, actually, I think I did get the MRI and I had some disc irritation. It wasn't like a full blown disc or anything like that, but the discs, I had L4 and L5, just your classics ones were just like very irritated. So I think within that, there was almost like a breaking point that I did avoid, although that what it felt like at the time was a breaking point. I think I definitely um, stopped myself at the right time before something even more serious had happened. Yeah. Um, the first thing for me was just like understanding how I lifted compared to other people, because the style of training that I used to do when I was at that competitive level was very much linear progression, um, DUP style training, which obviously it has its time and place. Um, but it wasn't right for me. And the, they had a similar sort of, I'm not mentioning the gym, but they had a similar sort of program template that everyone would do. There was a few of them that they could like choose. So obviously it was like what one fitted to you the most, but it wasn't the like program for you. It was just like, you kind of look like you're in this direction here. We're going to give you that template to follow through. Yeah. Um, and I, I just really want to understand, first of all, like the rep schemes that would work for me. Um, so the first thing that I kind of did was just stripping back intensity a lot and just tr- like starting with like minimum effective dose, like literally one set of compounds and then maybe like going into like RDL. So like for deadlifts, it was like one set of deadlifts and then some RDLs. And then within just like load management, a lot of my injuries got better. And I think that's the first step of a lot of things. It doesn't have to be like stop lifting. It's just find a better load to work with because the five by 10 at 150 kilos that I was doing on deadlifts was clearly not working. Um, so it was just like, I had to really, really like refine that back. And I still, to this day, think load management is like the big indicator of risk in training and any sort of stimulus around there. Yeah. Um, and then also like there was some obvious sort of, um, physical things happening. So I was definitely like shifting to my right hip in the squat to avoid the pain in my left hip. Cause you're either shifting into stability or shifting away from, uh, from pain. 
So in this case, it was away from pain, but then that had forced a lot more stability on my right side as well. So I had to really train everything up uh, iso like through isometrics. Um, so yeah, it was just like trying to point out, okay, I'm shifting over this way. And it started a lot with the hips. Like at that point, I think I, di I didn't know a lot, but I just, I kind of looked at the issue, but didn't think about other problems that might be causing that issue. Um, so within that, it was just like adopt like a bit more of a narrow stance, like go on the machine, stay in fixed positions, which it did work. It's not like the most effective thing to do. Um, and I think like if I probably committed to at least like a bit more free weight aspects of that, rather than just sticking to the machines or fixed positions and stuff like that, I might've been able to come back on the squats a bit quicker. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it was just targeting like, okay, I'm shifting to the right. How do I bring myself back to the center? Um, and just exploring different options with that. And then I kind of stumbled across a, a free mentorship with Will Crozier, who is one of the strongest lifters in Australia. I think he actually is the strongest lifter in Australia, um, or uh, other than Alex Simmons, I guess, but he's not really lifting. Yeah. Um, he pretty much just said, I want to do a trial mentorship before I do the real deal. And that was actually almost two years ago now. And he only just published his first paid mentorship. So he's, he's putting a lot of work into it. Um, he opened my eyes to compression expansion, uh, ISA, like structural changes of the body, stacking the ribs and the pelvis. And at first I was like, I had no idea what this shit was. I was like, what the fuck? Like, I'm, I don't understand what they're saying. And I don't, and like, I don't conceptualize these things at all. I didn't even have like examples to relate to, which is kind of the way that I take in information. And I was like, okay, it frustrated me that I had no idea, but obviously this was a very like current thing to understand. And this was a very um, sort of foundational thing to understand. Not that I wanted to stack everyone, but at least in the sense for me, it made a lot of sense to stack the joint so that they would have a uh, greater potential range of motion because that's what was happening in my hip. Um, and then within that course, I just got frustrated. And then I, I studied every single video like two, three times a week. And then I went externally to that and looked at like the direct sources like Zach Couples, um, Pat Davidson, all those sort of guys. And within that like 12 week period, uh, early 20, no, late 2019, early 2020, um, I just kind of laid this foundation that there's structure and function to the body. I already kind of understood the function and the muscle relation and the positions and stuff like that. But understanding the structure really helped bridge those two together. Mm -hmm. And everything from there has just been building a new layer of complexity of that. Not that I've applied that straight away to clients, but the goal that I do have within that is to really make sure that I want to be the person that decides what's right and what's appropriate for this person. Like, I don't want to take a concept, like you said, just because I've seen it or read it and just apply it straight away with no experience or no understanding of it. Like, I need to make sure that I understand exactly the long-term and the short-term repercussions of doing this. And then I want to make sure that it's appropriate to that person. And I think, again, that ties into something that I just didn't have when I was lifting. So it just kind of carries all through like the, the foundation of starting to lift and becoming a coach. It was just trying to be a better person and be someone that I wish I had. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Joel, do you want to have anything? On? Yeah, no, that was, that was great. Um, I'll just taking all that in. Yeah. Um, certainly like, uh, I, I mean, chatting with you at the gym, Beth was like, you've thrown me on these concepts. You're talking about finding out new concepts, you know, and you and me have always kind of chatted about like this thing and that thing. And like, yeah, uh, Zach couples, you threw me onto him and I've watched a whole bunch of his stuff. And uh, yeah, I think exactly what you're saying is it's kind of, uh, I know it's my approach. And I also know it's Sam's approach is like kind of taking that backward step and analyzing ourselves with our own training and what we want to give to our clients and what we wish we um, experienced, you know, in the gym and what we experienced, like what we would have wanted from a coach or coaches. Um, so 
yeah, definitely, totally get that. Um, I think that's, yeah, it just it, that's a that's a really powerful journey, you know, from like injury to, as I said, like discovery and um, expansion, and yeah, that's awesome. Mm. Yeah, I think again, like what I said at the start, what I respect, and I think we're drawn to, you know, in coaches like yourself, is yeah, going back to those basics, like you know, you might not always use them and you might not always, you know, you don't sit down with a client and talk them through PRI or like, you know, you don't, you're not going to talk them through all of that stuff and you might not always apply it necessarily like in every context, but just knowing, like you said, the tools and being able to like look at the bigger picture and say, okay, like where is this client at? What do they need? I mean, we're still probably like, admittedly, we're probably still on that journey, like maybe, you know, a couple of steps back from you still is like exploring all that stuff. But um, one thing that like we've, we've re- immediately just recognized is like we just don't want to be cookie cutter in any in any sense you know like just seeing like well this coach does this on instagram and they got a lot of followers so we'll just apply what they do uh like we're just not we're just we just don't want to be about that so i think like i think it's so important that uh yeah coaches go on that journey whether like, whatever it looks like you know it's going to look different for everyone but go on that journey to just like understand the deeper layers of complexity like you said like don't just say like oh, everyone needs to squat like in what context does someone should someone squat or in what context should someone deadlift in what context should their rdl like minimal effective dose like i've even you know thrown around the term like i've heard people say minimal effective dose is really good i've also heard people say why would you want to do the minimum like wouldn't you want to go for the absolute maximum dose that is still effective and doesn't injure someone like you hear arguments on both sides but i think again like what's the context who are they what's the person you're working with what do they need like you know margaret who lives down the street and just wants to be fit probably doesn't need to be repping out you know five rm deadlifts like she probably just needs to be a little bit stronger she probably needs to deal with a lower back pain and you know have a bit more spinal flexion and control you know and maybe open up her flexibility a little bit you know like but i think a lot of coaches i mean again this is something that we we're probably still early on the journey but just like the big the bigger question around like what's the context that you're applying these things in um that's really cool that's really cool so like uh i mean you've given us like a pretty big snapshot i think already of like what what we wanted to chat through and like in terms of your journey so like where are you at now you're, you're not competing or you're not competing yet but you want to explore back into i think i know you are you coaching out of breakthrough right now is that yeah we um we just uh opened the new powerlifting section at breakthrough so um i've got pretty much we we have about 30 face-to-face clients there at the moment um imagine it's like this big massive warehouse space divided into three or four perfect parts to be honest and there's like one quarter of the gyms for crossfit one quarter of the gyms for olympic weightlifting one quarter of the gyms for bodybuilding and then the rest is for the powerlifters and i think like that in itself um weirdly as much as it's like a, a weird environment it's not just like straight in you can see one thing that kind of leaves a lot of open doors in the way that I think about training and what people observe around them and what they, because people, no matter like what you're coaching them or what you're on the program, they're going to look at observations around them and try and think about how that relates to them. And these people watching like these, like we have like very elite um, Olympic weightlifters that own the weightlifting section of our gym, like Kyle and Izzy. Um, They're both ranked respectfully in uh, top three, I think uh, in Australia for all totals and weight classes and whatnot. Um, And people watch them and they just like, take in little parts like that and then even just looking at them in their mindset and then they come to the powerlifting section to a different attitude and I think 
it's such a different environment that I've ever worked in before, but it's so unique that I think it's going to be really special to kind of like flourish in and really make sure that people are just being observant of different styles of training. And in a sense that also relates back to like the one size doesn't fit all approach. There's like so many different options for people throughout that gym. Um, but yeah, face to face there, we've built the club up. We're trying to build it up as quick as we can. Obviously COVID like really took a hit on our, our goals for that, but um, yeah. Me and George are working hard to make sure that the club achieves big things early on. We've got some comps coming up too within the, the breakthrough um, sort of powerlifting club there. And then I'm online as well. So I've got a full roster at the moment with online clients that I kind of fill in when I'm not at breakthrough. Um, so just trying to balance that face-to-face workload with the online workload. Um, yeah. And not to mention like continuously learning, like got um, Connor Harris's biomechanics course at the moment while well, I'm starting that next week. Um, so that'll be another like additional few hours of my week taken up. So it's just about balancing and managing all those three things. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's the current work split at the moment. That's cool. Yeah, cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, I was going to say like m- me and Sam are currently in that, just talking about the work split and like dividing your time. We're currently uh, doing that right now between like having online clients and now teaching in-person stuff plus having second jobs and uh so it's like that juggle, you know, and uh, also doing, you know, uh, other bits of learning ourselves. So yeah, totally relate. Um, and I just wanted to say one thing that I noticed as well um, uh, with yourself is, and I've said this to you before, but the the loyalty with your clients. Um, I don't know. It's just something that when I was, you know, training um with you or training at the gym and, and you were there, it's just, and chatting to people and, and the community there, um, at black flag, like just chatting away. And I don't know, I just got this really, uh, no one actually said anything. No one like came up to me was like, you know, best and da, 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 I'm super loyal and all this, like that didn't have to, you know, wear the badge and do stuff, but it's just like, I don't know. I just got this vibe from people just, and, um, yeah, that's the loyalty they had. So that's just, yeah hats off like that just shows you know how how awesome of a coach you are um no i appreciate it man i think like i do have a few um long-term clients um which i'm extremely grateful for like these guys have seen me start from like taking literally through like bank transfers for payments to now like running a whole business and having everything set out and automated and new program sheets that track everything for them and they, they started with me from the beginning to now and obviously the intention is still to like keep growing from there um, but even like the opportunity that I have at Breakthrough is definitely more of a collaboration between Output and Breakthrough, not just like I'm working for Breakthrough. Um, so I, I sacrificed a lot of online clients to work face-to-face with them now because the opportunity came up where it would definitely be cheaper for them because I'm coaching a lot of students, um, like uni students and stuff like that, which is a demographic that I attract due to my training experience and my life experience. Um, which I'm not uh, sad about because those are the guys that I think, honestly, they give the most to training, the, the ones that have like the younger aspirations and very new to the sport and they have the most potential to kind of bring up through. Um, but yeah, it's definitely more of a collaboration style. And I'm lucky that like George, my boss at Breakthrough, uh, rewards that sort of loyalty. I, I guess other people have kind of picked up on it too because rather than try and like fight and me, like, you know, keep the, the people on uh, the output side of things and you know, they're my clients, it definitely merges them all together. And I want to make sure like, doesn't matter kind of where I'm coaching them or like what color program I give them, whether it's the blue one with output or the, the red one, like fucking matrix. Um, they're still part of like the community that I'm trying to build. Um, so that that's always been the goal. Like even with output though, it's, it, I don't want to be output. Like I want output to be a brand, but within that I have to kind of like recognize that I do work for output. 
Um, so yeah, it's just more, more of like a collaborative sort of community where I try and go with that. Um, but I, yeah, I guess other people have kind of picked up on it. I've, I've definitely picked up on it. Like I actually had a client call yesterday. I was catching up with one of the boys who I've been coaching for. I've only been an online coach for almost two and a half years and he's been with me for that entire time. And I said to him yesterday, I was like, dude, like it's crazy because sitting down with him for the call, I was talking about these new changes to my spreadsheet and everything like that. I used to like do all these check-ins through Instagram and like, like just lose track of everything and not be organized. And this guy's stuck with me through it all. So um, yeah, I've definitely recognized it as well. They don't particularly say it, but it just kind of comes through yeah. like the, the time that I share with them. And it's not forever. Like I know that these guys may or may not move on. They may fall out of love with powerlifting and just kind of want to, you know, progress and move on to other goals within life and still sort of train. But I do appreciate the time that I spend with everyone. Mm, yeah, definitely. It was a big thing that I noticed straight away. And uh, yeah, that's you, your coaching, you know, it's like people, they, 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 they see the quality, right. And they, they, you know, the loyalty and the, and the care that's put into um, each of their programming and stuff. Yeah. That's, that's definitely the vibe that I, I got. Um, so we, we, next, what's the next question, Sam? No, I just thought, I mean, I think we've got a good flow, but one, one thing I think, um, I mean, well, I'll go out on a limb. I think like just hearing how you're talking about clients and your, your experience, like obviously I think you, you go beyond just like they come to the gym, they hit some weights, they go home. Like, you know, you, you want to go deeper than that. That's I, I think, and I think any coach who, who genuinely, you know, is passionate about training, um, there's some element that's like, you want to go beyond the training with people, you know, to some degree, like you want to not just acknowledge that train, like there's other factors in life, but you want, you want to actually connect with the people that you're training. You want to know who they are. You want to know what they do. You want to know why they train. You want to take it to that, that deeper level, I think because it makes you a better coach and because it strengthens that relationship. So what, um, like, what do you think the role of a coach is like, like looking beyond like, they come and they do some lifts and they go home. Like, you know, you mentioned the word community before, like building a community. So like, what is it about being a coach? Like, what do you think that looks like to be a coach? Uh, like the coach, the coach role can be just kind of case dependent because everyone kind of has different expectations coming into like a coaching experience. And within like, at least my pre-questionnaire form, I try and get a good grasp on that and try and understand kind of what they want from me. Um, the first point that I would say, like in a great sort of like pyramid of coaching, what we are, like the first layer is just like a translator. Like you have to be able to, and this is what we talk about, like appropriating different trends and training strategies to these people. Like you don't need to educate, you can just translate um, because some people want to be on that autopilot mode. And honestly, like the, the translating role was something that I, I wasn't too sure about initially. Like I always just thought I had to tell them what to do, but when you listen and like, talk the same language and then translate back to them. Those that, that switch that I kind of had within that role and what, how I viewed myself was a big indicator of like the big steps I took at least earlier this year into building a brand and getting like a full roster of online clients and stuff like that as well. Yeah. Um, and then moving up from that, you kind of got, you know, you do have the education role, you have the motivation role, but I think like, I hate uh, like singling out motivation as a role as a coach. Cause I think that's just such a given, like you have to motivate these people and you have to have the expertise and you have to like, make sure you're accountable and you're, you're there on time and whatever you say you're going to do, you're going to do. Um, so like, I hate that I have to like individualize those things out. Cause I think when you're looking at a coach, that's like a non-negotiable, like those things are hundred percent going to be there. Um, yeah. But I think within that, when you're like scoping it out with guys, having those singled out helps you understand maybe what they're struggling with. 
So like if someone is struggling with motivation, then you kind of know, okay, I've got to like maybe message them once or twice a week if they're not checking in and make sure they're doing everything properly or just kind of like hit them up every now and then. Um, or at least with the expertise, obviously they might be a bit fed up with what they currently know or the, the people that they've previously, previously worked with. Um, so yeah, the role of the coach just kind of like changes throughout that, but I definitely think it's definitely more of a, a translator and then an educator, but most people are, are happy with that autopilot sort of mode. Um, where I can create the education side of things, I really like to. And it's really funny, a lot of people, they say that you have to work like face-to-face. -face. It's really valuable to work face-to-face -face with clients before you become an online coach. But people that have only ever worked face-to-face -face in their entire life, so those one-on-one -on -one PTs that you see at Fitness First that are like 50 years old in the city, making absolute bank, you know, like they've killed it in their life. But they've never, probably up until COVID, never had to touch the online world. And there's a concept of that that they don't really understand where we're not there all the time. So you have to educate these people to make these choices on the spot because you're not gonna be there at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so I think the same way that it's super valuable to be face-to-face -face and you know pick up on things on the fly and learn how to talk to people and build those personality traits and the, the empathy sort of traits that you get. Um, it's also super value, valuable to work online and be distant from them and see how they make changes and react to feedback. Because I can confidently say now, like I, even with the face-to-face -face people, I still don't see every single set like it's even though I'm there in like a small group sort of scenario like maybe like a five to one ratio and I see the majority of the sets I'm still not seeing everything so encouraging people to like learn visual cues like hearing the slack or hearing their brace in or like you can get them to like pick up on little things like bar paths and like some of the stuff that is simple to understand but helps encourage like permanent change even if you're not watching um, yeah. that's the sort of thing that I carry to face to face. So I think they really like help each other and complement each other in that sense where it comes to working both online and face to face. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, we, we, we kind of went the opposite. We started online and now we're going to face to face. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you. Like one of the things we just navigated early on was like so many questions, you know, some people don't give any feedback. Some people will give a lot of feedback. Uh, some people, you, you know, <laughs> Joel always has this once, you know, we got videos, obviously we got all our videos. So we use a coaching app. And we got a lot of videos in there and you're like, then they demonstrate the video. They send a video back and you're like, that is nothing like what we sent you at all. That is so far from what the video even displayed, but you're like, all right, we'll just start with what you got. But uh, it's interesting you say that. Cause yeah, that's one of the things we wrestled with, I think. And we've tried to build out more uh, for us, like in an automated way as well is to try and tackle things like, um, you know, from a real, like a lot of our populations. So we're obviously we're not really in the powerlifting space. We kind of work in probably more of a general, you know, strength and flexibility is kind of what we base ourselves around. But even things like, how do you just educate someone to like my mom, you know, my mom trains with us. She's like, she has no idea what tempo is like, no idea how to start and apply that. So it's like, how do we educate someone on just basic concepts, you know, and try and build it into our system. So they understand when they see a workout, you know, like, they understand that when something maybe twinges, I had a call with, with my mom yesterday. She's like, oh, she, I've twinged my knee. I think I pushed a little bit hard doing these squid squats. I'm like, that's cool. Again, like you said earlier, like load management, like educating them. I'm like, you don't need to now avoid this movement necessarily. You don't need to, you know, you didn't just do anything wrong. Like, okay, cool. Let's just, let's just strip it back. Let's give some time for, for acute healing and, and, and recovery. And let's just begin to ease into it again and just see how you go. Maybe just push a little bit hard. Like as long as you're not, creating more damage or pushing it too hard too soon like you, you'll be okay um but re-educating people on some of these just really basic things that i think we take that like you know we take for granted as coaches sometimes and you're right it's, it looks different but um that's cool is there anything that that you really learned from any of your clients like just or 
like standout things that you like in coaching over the years, like you've learned just from seeing how people learn or I don't know, anything that jumps out, like stuff you've learned from clients? Um, yeah, super early on, like when I just started coaching, I, um, I got a big hard reality check that not everyone has the same mindset as me. Um, yeah. Very, very massive. Oh, yeah. Check We're still getting- oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's just let, let's clap that because that's yes. that's a hundred percent me. Like that is uh, Sam will tell you that is my number one thing. It's just always coming back to that grounding of like not everyone is like me. Not yeah. everyone will just train all the time. You know what I mean? And do this stuff. It's like they're just different. So yeah, totally. Yeah, like legit. Like we would all be the same. Like the thing is because we have so many different things that we have to do that involve training. Like we have to, you know, wake up and listen to that podcast to keep up with current things, which is about training and then go to work about training, then do some check-ins that are people training and then do some online courses that we're learning about training. So it's like for us, obviously our commitment to training is there because we do these things every single day voluntarily. Like that's the choice that we've made. Yeah. Um, where some people the only sort of part they have about that is like that hour that they come to the gym the only thought that they really have about that is the moment after they scoop that pre-workout and then literally when they're in the car on the way home that's the only time that they ever think about training yeah, um, yeah. and so on like a, a really like broad scale was understanding um, and really trying to well I guess you're never really going to understand why people train but you just kind of think about their goals and what they want to achieve because you ask people the question like where do you want to be in three years and like people hate that but you ask them what they want to achieve in three years and they have certain things that they want to do. So it was kind of just moving my efforts from assuming to hearing and listening. Um, And then from there, it was just kind of like understanding that coaching is less about telling and more about asking. And then that that was another big learning curve within the whole experience. Um, But yeah, more from the clients. I think I just learned from them every day. Like for me, majority of my issues were like lower body. So within like physical and structural education, learning about, shoulders and everything like that that was a big learning curve um very grateful that i had a few clients that needed me to progress my knowledge into that so i understood a lot more about the body but yeah every day like they forced me to try and be better just in one way or another even one of the boys i have right now he's got a velocity tracker so he bought that so he can track the speed the rom um the average speeds of every single rep of every single set for every single variation and I'm, I'm forcing myself now to create this whole new spreadsheet for him so we can make the most of it. And it's like, you don't get those opportunities if you don't work with different styles of people. Like if I only worked with people that I was comfortable working with, I would never have a spreadsheet that is tracking fucking everything. Like it, it's disgusting how much I had to edit this spreadsheet. Um, but I also love it because he's obviously 100% committed to the process that he wants to make. Um, so those sorts of like forceful changes that come from the motivated clients, um, those are the, the big hitters that kind of change the direction and style of coaching as well. Yeah, that's cool. That's wild. Um, velocity tracking. That's the next level. Yeah, wow. So much Damn. <laughs> it's nuts. Like you can see, um, like say I got him doing like MRAP sets because within the velocity tracker, a big um, reason that he got it was that he believed that he was undershooting. Um, Joel, you know, Zach, like Zach. Um, oh yeah, Zach. Yeah. What a legend. Yeah. Such a legend. Love Zach. So um, he, he generally, like he came to me in lockdown and he was a bit like stagnant with his results. I think it was a bit of lockdown feels as well as like his last comp got canceled because of COVID and it was just a good time for a change for him. And within the lockdown period, he had equipment at home that we could squat bench and deadlift with like no issues. Um, but I just said to him, like, you're not doing as much as you can. Like I can see that you're not doing as much as you can based off like estimate 
that he was putting in from his weights and working weights. So like after every block update, I kind of just put through the estimate weights, see what they're currently working with, and then give them the next working weights for the estimates in the next week. And um, yeah, he, he just wasn't doing what the data said he should be doing. And I wanted him to see that. So he took the initiative to kind of get the velocity tracker. And I said to him, like, I want to make the most of it with you, but let's do this AMRAP with the velocity tracker so we can get like super, super accurate data. And it tells him like exactly what range of motion and we pair up reps to increase or decrease range of motion. And we know like if there was any technical faults with those reps. Um, so the, the whole check-in process is a lot lengthier. The, the value of my time definitely uh, decreased with the velocity tracker <laughs> being, being put in. Um, but also like it's, it's very intriguing because I think with the changes to the, the spreadsheet, I'll be able to make it a little bit more automated in that process. And I think the fitness industry kind of has it wrong right now. They're so like hell bent on the marketing side of things where you're looking at these like big corporate companies, like, yeah, they market stuff, but they do every single thing every day to be a little bit more automatic so that they don't have to stress as much. And I think within like a brand or a business, that's the direction you should be pushing in, not like these targeted ads. And like, you, you can do that if you want to, and if you've got the time to do it, but I think just within that being a little bit more automated in my processes and with this spreadsheet that I'm creating and the spreadsheet that I have for everyone else, like that, that is where I think the most, um, sort of reward comes in for running a business side of things. Oh yeah, you're, you're speaking my language. Hey Joel, this, this is my language, just getting on the automation side of things. That's like, I agree. I'm like, man, I want to spend, you know, like as we progress as a business, I'm like, I want to spend less time doing admin and more time coaching. So I'm just going to try and make everything like automated as much as I can. Man. I don't have to 100%. do any of it. And it's like, why, why would I pay someone? Why would I take the time when there's so many softwares and apps and ways to, to do things out there that that will just manage it for you and the and and the client has a better experience like we you know we chose to i've tried spreadsheets so i've used spreadsheets as a, as a client as well you know you know done a bunch of different stuff i've used different like uh, coaching apps we decided on the end to go with true coach right now that we're going to change soon but just because i'm like from a client perspective i'm like one it's easy for us to automate like we can for what we want to do with people it's like it's so easy just to to program and to move programs around and to give templates and then like adjust for clients needs to just like track metrics, you know, the, the, the automations and then the new kind and the whole customer experience, like you said, like to, to build that out. So it's like, I can get data. I can automate stuff. I can like, uh, that's, that's the realm that I love to live in. Like as far as business goes, it's like just trying to do all of that as, as well as possible. Cause I also think that's part of feeding into, you're right. I think coaches, uh, I mean, yeah, you see like the same sort of trends, like it's marketing, it's, uh, I don't know, you, you got all those, you probably get them all the time, the damn Facebook ads of like, let me help you grow your coaching business to seven figures. And you're like, heck no, like you just want me to just Well, if you could do it, why don't you have seven fingers, figures right now, man? Like, yeah. like that. Oh, man. I hate it so much. And I like, like, there's only one that I bought into that we did for a little bit and we trialed and it was, it wasn't bad. Like, we got some good stuff out of it and I ended up just taking all their content and like saving it so I could keep using it. But um, yeah, like for the most part, I think you're right. I'm like, if you just work on being one, a good coach, like you got to have a good product and you've got to constantly be refining who you are. The other thing I hate, like I'm just ranting now, I'm just ranting, but- uh, right, man. This is a topic I'm very passionate about. No, it's good. Like, and what you said before of like, man, coaches who they set themselves on a hill and they refuse to accept that they can either be wrong or that they don't have the answer. Like to be able to say to your client, you know, he got a velocity tracker. And if you just said, man, I don't know how to work with those. Sorry, dude. Like, you know, that's cool, but you enjoy it. It's like, 
it doesn't help him. But like you put the time and effort into now go and create a new spreadsheet and to like work with all the, that, that data that you're going to get so that it can add, to, add value to him as a client and add value to his training. You know, if a client comes to us and says, uh, I had one the other night, my big toe gets really sore when I do this and this. Frick, I, I don't know much about feet. I'm going to be honest. Like, I'm like, look, I stretch, like I do different bits and pieces from my own feet, ankles, toes, whatever. They feel good for me. But like, okay, cool. If I really want to value that person as a client, I'm going to go and learn. I'm going to ask questions and I'm going to take that away and go and learn. I'm going to add to my, and to be okay to say to them at the time, listen, I don't know a lot about it right now, but let me sit on it. Give me some feedback. Give me some, you know, like, it's like, let's stay in touch. Let me go and read. Let me go and research and let's try stuff and let's see what happens. But I think way too many coaches, it's just like, for whatever reason, maybe it's pride. Maybe it's like fear of losing the client. Like, aren't willing to just admit that maybe they don't know and like it's okay to then go and try and learn that <laughs> and yeah. if, you know like and do you really want to keep a client who has an issue with you learning like I don't know if I'd want to work with someone who thinks that I should just know everything all the time I don't know like I just think that that's something that I recognize I'm like I never want to be that coach that like thinks they have it all together uh, yeah, yeah. but is willing to be like look that's not my specialty you know like if someone comes to us and's like I want to be a powerlifter I'm like, look, we can probably help you to some degree, but listen, we know Beth, she's a great coach. Like, why don't you go work with her? Like, that's not what we do. Like, and I think like, I don't know, for whatever reason, people try and just like hoard clients. And like, we, we got to the point now where we started saying no to some people because we're like, not because we don't want to, but it's just like, it's just not us. We don't do yeah. that. Like, it's funny that you, you brought that up, man. I was literally just thinking, I was training before I jumped on here and I was just thinking about how like, it's it should be more acceptable to say no to certain people. And I think that comes down to like a whole pre-screen process um, and not being insecure in your product or your service, because when you're wholeheartedly not in the same mindset and experience that this client wants from you, then the results are just going to be mixed match and you're just delaying the inevitable, which is just people leave, people get mad, people get frustrated. Yeah. Um, I think like within that topic as well, like just having a good um, sort of support network around you or good contacts within the industry is really important. Like, yeah. the same same goes for you like if someone ever came to me like i want to like just work on my mobility flexibility stuff like that i'm going to send them your way because to be honest man like you guys are the only ones i kind of see pioneering this stuff in australia and trying to revive this sort of style of things back up but having that network around you um and just being open to people's like physio choices for example like whether you have a history with them or agree with what they say or not for some reason your client has gone to them and they trust in them so you need to be respectful of that and yeah. rely on those resources around you and keep the communication open um, but yeah, the referring on is a big part. Like obviously, like I don't know if any of us have degrees further than like the TAFE or certs or whatever thing like that. Like I'm not formally educated through uni. So when it comes to injuries and stuff like that, I'm very quick to refer on, but there's certain processes within that that you can definitely do to assist the client. Like like I said, load management, just identifying pain versus discomfort, um, all those sort of things that you can kind of do on your end. But yeah, you can't be in this industry and be insecure about your business and your understandings because if you don't refer to other people and don't rely on other people um you're just going to run yourself into the ground yeah for sure yeah i think you're right like that was one thing that was one of the hard conversations we kind of had to have like not super early on you know probably a couple months back was like starting to define like who do we want to work with and who do we want to be because like ultimately you're like yeah like you said like we had that experience where you know, someone comes to us, you know, a good one is like weight loss, right? Like, cause, cause we're starting out. It's like the people who are probably going to reach out to you first. So maybe friends and family who maybe want to lose a bit of weight. It's like, we'll, we'll work with you. And we have like maybe some, some basic concepts around like, cool, you got to be in a calorie deficit. Like <laughs> just from the get go, like that's a super basic one, right? Like anyone can Google that and find that out. 
So we'll do our best, but at the end of the day, it's like there's gonna be people who are better. Yeah. So for I you to lose weight. There's like, like coherently yeah. some connections within that though. Like you're teaching a new person to training to lose some weight. Like it, it will inevitably happen and their shape will change as they train, no matter what style you're teaching them. Yeah. And I think if you're just upfront with the expectations of that, would be like, hey, like it will happen. It may not be the best way or may not be the most efficient way, but it will still happen. Um, yeah. And if they choose to go along with that from there, that's that's then the ball in their court. And that's all you can really do for them. And that, that's also that translator role that um, I was talking about a bit earlier. Like it comes down to even that initial consult and just that first discussion with them. Like if you can translate what you think needs to be done for them to achieve the goals that they've told you, um, the whole experience is a lot better. They'll thank you for sending you to the right direction or they'll thank you for helping them if you, if you choose to take them on. Um, but yeah, that, that definitely is like a big one, man. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, we're kind of nearing, we're nearing that 45 minute mark for an hour, but what, what's, um, what's, what's next for you then, I guess, in the coaching, you said, you, you know, you got breakthrough that you're, that you're being a part of, is it called break? Is it breakthrough powerlifting club? Is that the official title? So the, the gym is breakthrough fitness, but yep. we're the breakthrough powerlifting club within that. We don't have a, a official name yet. We're still just running it. I think it's still that unity within the gym, like my coach or not my coach, my boss is very big on um, no matter what sort of niche we have as each of the coaches there. Like a few of us have lead roles within that gym. So like, obviously I'm the, the powerlifting person. Um, we have Ishmael who does a lot of mobility um, and like strength and conditioning sort of training. We have Scott Wilson, who is a Commonwealth Games athlete. Like we've got like high caliber of people there and we all have massive heads and we all have big ideas. So we don't really like segregate within that and like have certain clubs within there because we all still work together. And like I said, we feed off each other and we watch other people and then take lessons from there and stuff like that. But um, yeah, for breakthrough, like the the face-to-face -face goal is just to build up as many clients as I can, make a even bigger community face-to-face. -face. Um, the gym there has been pumping. Like we've got a good mix of like people who are really like motivated to show up and train. And I think you attract the people that you like definitely show off and the, the intention that you want to bring in. So trying to lead by example in that sense. Um, it does make it a little bit harder when I'm injured and I can't really be in there and, you know, try and lead by example that way. But at least in my coaching style, like always coming across, across serious, but serious, uh, serious, but still like nice enough to like get along. Obviously the business side of things, I'm still like, you know, very bubbly up, up going, outgoing. Um, but yeah, the, the goal for breakthrough is just to build the face-to-face -face stuff. We got the um, comps that we want to run. So we got a novice comp that's been delayed a few times because of COVID now finally going to happen on December 11th yep. um, and majority of the guys competing I will be prepping for so I think I've got about eight or nine guys that were prepping for that right. um, but within like output I've got a lot of guys uh, really ambitious to jump into APU um, which is like the Australian Powerlifting Union Federation yep. um, so I'm looking to bring a big team to that next year um, which is like it, I've coached people at comps before um, and I think like that's what I initially set out to do when I started this whole coaching experience and I, I kind of just had to do this big roundabout like work with gen pop work online you know no comps for a year because of COVID and like now eventually like setting into this sort of stuff it seems a little bit more realistic to devote all my time and efforts towards a competitive style of training um, so I've got a few guys that have got big aspirations within that um, side on again like heaps of young guys that uh, they're going to go neck and neck with each other as well um like all in the same weight class which is interesting but cool. they'll, they'll figure it out as we go along the way um but yeah just building that and then within that just trying to keep learning and growing so like i said i got connor harris's biomechanics course which starts november 1st which i think is like next week um he i haven't like looked into him too much but at least the post that i have seen 
they weren't something that I entirely knew about or agreed with, which, which I think is important because they're, they're not concepts that I'm familiar with or at least understand completely. So that's why I'm trying to push myself in that new direction. Um, but within that, you just got to be careful and monitorize that, you know, the biomechanic assessment of things is not going to help competitive powerlifters, but it gives you a better understanding of the body that you can then appropriate certain things to. So yeah, just keep pushing on that and then make sure I'm, I'm keeping all, all my um, windows of opportunity open to make sure that all the clients are doing the things that they want to do. Um, but yeah, I just want to keep pushing on that, man. Like, and even just working with my coach now, um, he's up at Performotion in Queensland and just learning off those guys as well. Like it, like I'm obviously trying to get better and move better myself, but there's certain things that I learned through coaching and like a new style of coaching that I have now compared to when I was a competitive lifter. Like it's, it's a whole new world for me. And then I know I have pretty high standards in the service that I provide, but then seeing other people's services, it does open your eyes to things that you can do and opportunities that you can do. Um, so yeah, like even within that, like diversifying what online coaching is and trying to be like a little bit more interactive with like Zoom calls uh, as part of a service to like train face-to-face -face over Zoom and try and hit some things out when we can. So that'll be really important during like comp prep and stuff like that when we're trying to drill things in before a certain deadline. Um, but yeah, just keep diversifying, man. Like that's the, the big goal for everything. Keep, keep growing and learning. It's awesome. So good. And, and you're going to explore competing again, potentially in, the, in a few years or. Oh, I honestly, like people ask me this question in my mind, I wouldn't train if I had no intention of doing good things. So like that, and that's just who I am. Like that's like so deep down inside me that like, why would you train if you're not going to try and be the best that you can be? whether that's the best ever, that, that is also debatable. But um, the, the way that's going, like I, I had had some uh, good highs before, like or even during COVID before I sprained my wrist, um, like obviously benching 123 was a big milestone for me. Um, that was like, um, the last bench PB I had was 2017. So that was a long time, long drought without like a, a bench PB for whatever reason, time off and injuries and whatnot. Um, but things are going in the right direction. I'm keen to like rip back into that once my wrist fully heals and I'm back in training. I think next week I'm back in program, which will be good. Um, but yeah, the goal is to like, I'd love to nail a 140 bench and whatever comes after that with squat and deads, we'll, we'll figure out. But I think playing to the strengths right now and just chipping away at the weaknesses is probably the only, tra the only training goal that I do have. Um, but I still have my sights set on doing better things in powerlifting personally. That's cool. That's awesome. Jordan, was there anything you want to add? No, this, uh, no, it's just been listening and taking it all in, especially all the stuff with like coaching and clients. And like, I definitely have taken stuff away for, for myself and I'll chat to you later, Sam, about it. And um, I think what you said about the Zoom calls with clients was really cool as well. Like at specific times, I don't know. It was just, I was hearing that. I was like, wow, that is, that'd be rad. I'd be so happy if like my coach Zoom called me at a very specific time and like watched me, you know, if, if my coach Emmett Lewis called, Zoomed me. If it's yeah. not Zoom, yeah. bro, it's not going to happen. <laughs> no, yeah. No, like I only recently just started doing that. Um, and the guys that kind of had the initiative to think this could be right for me, like I didn't want to force a new service upon anyone. I'd like to think that the way that I present it is uh, insightful enough for these guys. And that, that also lets me know how like I'm marketing myself within people who are already committed for me. I don't really, within the people outside, it's like I'll kind of just take the hits when I can. Um, but within the people that are already like in touch with me and believe in me and my systems, I want to uh, really like, I respect their decisions and what they see in me. So offer the new service and I didn't want to push anyone into it. And I didn't want to be like, you know, this is going to be right for you. Like I'm not that desperate for the extra, whatever it is per week. Although like I'm still working for that money. 
um, it was always about like, how can we keep the same sort of style of coaching, but make it a little bit better for these guys for the best price possible. And I think if you're not compromising, like just the paycheck or the payout at the end of the week for that, um, there's a lot of things that you can do. And even like every lockdown, I've come out of it like a better online coach, because obviously that's the direction that society's kind of going with these lockdowns and interventions and whatnot. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, introducing those Zoom calls was like a really big step. And I'm, I'm very keen to like get all the, the comp crew onto those because I think it becomes more critical when there's a deadline. So it's like for anything, like if you've got like a, a day that you want to look good for or like, you know, the comp that you want to lift the most for, like it's, there's a, a lot more importance and a mindset, a mindset shift happens for both parties on both ends, like coach and client. Um, so you need to kind of stay level-headed and stay in touch a little bit more and communicate a little bit better. And this is just another way to do that. Um, but yeah, there's, there's been a few other changes as well. Just making sure that like these guys, like within, like I said, the spreadsheets for me, like obviously you guys roll with the app. Um, I'm just trying to make the spreadsheet as much of an app as possible and make it look pretty. So these guys fill it in, they get the most out of it. Um, and just different like questions and check-ins to try and initiate more conversation, like little subtle changes like that, um, which they, they go a long way, but I'm grateful for like lockdown and other people's experiences and stuff like that to really like hone in on new opportunities to really diversify what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, I reckon like the, that's definitely the future of online coaching, man, because that's about as face-to-face -face as it gets, um, but over Zoom. Mm, mm, definitely. I think the big thing as well was you just touched on, I don't know, it's just something that I'm just definitely going to take away was that um, how you said like even like you can't always be around your, your client. Um, all the time even if you are in person you're not going to see every rep and it's uh that's the in a way the like the benefit of coaching people online in a way like you you know you they can obviously can film everything you can see it but it's also like giving them yeah those uh those systems and those tools to like better themselves and you know self-discovery and stuff so yeah that was really really great I, I feel like I've just sat here quietly, like taking all this in, like just, just writing stuff down and like, oh, I'm going to talk to this about this later. This is awesome. You have to listen back through our own podcast. I was going to say, it's all yeah. recorded for you, bro. You got it all on here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, all our conversations at the gym, I always was like, man, I'd love to record some of this, like, because we would chat and I'd be like, damn, you know, like, shit, Beth said this really good thing. But then they're like, you know, you go home, you eat, you shower, you do whatever. And then I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't remember it. So it's been great now that it's recorded. So awesome. Well, I always got those messages. Like, what was this that we're talking about again? I always got those Yeah, messages. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, because I would be like, I need to know what you said because it was it, at the time, you kind of, I'd be like in my zone, right? Sam, I'd be in my zone, like training. And then I'd chat with Beth quick and she'd say something and I'd be like thinking on it. And then I realized I'm only in like, you know, B1 on the program or something. And I'm like, got down to like D to go. And I'm like, damn, but I'm like, yeah. So it was, yeah, it was awesome. All right. Well, honestly, thanks for having me guys. It was good to talk about like more coaching style, especially because it's, um, it's different to talk about like myself, which I think I'm very comfortable talking about myself and what I've achieved, but it, it does go hand in hand with like what I'm trying to present on here as well. And like, like I said, being the athlete that I was has helped me be like the coach that I am. So I, I always love like diving into those topics a little bit more. Oh, that's cool. Where can people, if they want to just like get on board, I guess, like, you know, now we've thrown it out there that, that you're the powerlifting place to go to. Uh, um, just on Instagram, people... man. Like um, I'm not too big on the socials. Like Instagram's like my website. So I market everything on there um, at output.s.s. Um, and then otherwise I'm face-to-face -face at Breakthrough Fitness. Um, most weeknights, uh, like at the afternoon session. Um, so you can always pop down and, you know, come catch me there and work face-to-face -face with me, which is another great experience as well. Where is Breakthrough? 
Uh, in Maryland's West is best. There you go, Maryland's. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, if anyone's listening, that's the place to be. Go and get strong. And I know that I know there's a bunch of strong people that train there. So it sounds like a flipping sick community to be a part of. And I rate that there's like so many different coaches. That's really cool. Awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks heaps for, for jumping on and, and spending the time with us. And um, yeah, we look forward to following the journey more uh, breakthrough with output. And um, I reckon we'll probably, you know, we'll, we'll see each other around and maybe we'll explore some more stuff in the future. Yeah, 100%. Thanks for having me, guys.